From around the world, this is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. Believe it or not, there are those who hear these ribald tales of danger and daring do who express an almost motherly concern for yours truly. And by motherly, I mean, of course, interfering and entirely unwelcome. I don't know what I could possibly have said or done over the course of our acquaintance to suggest that I would have things other than they were. Oh, I'm not above the occasional melancholy tone, the odd, wistful note, the portent left hanging in the air as the rain falls and another of the million stories in the naked city is brought to a close with the brilliant young girl detective disappearing into the mist all alone. But that's just atmosphere, people. It's not that I don't like men. In fact, I'm quite a fan. I like the way they look, the way they smell, the generally bull-headed way they try and do things with their meaty brows all furrowed in concentration, the determined gleam they get in their eyes when an idea pops into their pretty little heads, the genuinely touching way that they honestly seem to feel that I can't tell exactly what they're thinking at 30 paces. It's just that when you have the same one hanging around for too long, he starts to suffer from delusions that he's in some way in charge. And then it's an exhausting process of convincing them that what you want them to do was their idea in the first place. And frankly, I have enough of that on my hands with Jack. And as for companionship, well, aside from the fact that Miss Dixon is usually lonesome for exactly as long as Miss Dixon is inclined to be lonesome, and not ten seconds longer... There was always the loyal and uncomplicated devotion of King, the agency dog. And even that would cramp my style if I didn't share custody with old Squarejaw. But having said all that, there were special cases. And just such a one was poor old button-down Theo. Button-down Theo was a junior operative at Braithwaite's, the agency that had proved that even private detective work could have all the fun sucked out of it. He had all the imagination of an abacus, except where yours truly was concerned. Since the day we met, Theo had carried a shockingly domestic torch for me, and while it was nice to know that someone thought I'd look swell in a gingham dress with an apple pie cooling on the windowsill, I often wished he'd think that from a slightly more distant vantage point. Like Papua New Guinea. It's not locked. Trixie, are you in? No, this is just a shockingly lifelike recording. Well, well, Theo. You haven't darkened my door in a while. Is he here? He who? Don't be coy. You'd be disappointed if I wasn't, Theo. For all you know, I put this routine on just for you. You do? No. Don't stand there shivering on the stoop, precious. The big bad Jack is out on the trail of a car salesman who skipped bail for receiving stolen merchandise. Why? $54 from John Q. Taxpayer Peaches been a little slow lately, and it's occurred to Pomade Pete that we could supplement our meager earnings with the occasional posted reward. Bounty hunting? Nothing so fancy as that. But when we have a pretty good idea where somebody is and they're not particularly dangerous or well-connected, and not exactly the kind of career scum that might make a useful connection later, I'm not completely sold on it myself, but it keeps them out of my hair. 
Sit down before you fall down. It's all right. You can sit there. King will move eventually. He's... He's not moving. Because he doesn't believe you'll really sit on him, Theo. Go on. He'll walk out of the way and give you a bad look. There we go. Coffee? It's not Jack's, but it's fresh. Thanks. I guess I could use it. Well, this sounds serious. I guess it is. I've come to ask you for a little advice. This is a novel line. I'll bite. Okay, now I know something's wrong. I leave you an opening like that, and you don't stammer and blush as you try and figure out how to use it. Trixie, I'm thinking about going into business for myself. As what? As what? As a detective, that's what. Oh, Theo. Don't Theo me. Oh, Myron. Who's Myron? First name that popped into my head. Apparently, you don't like it any better than Theo. I'm serious. I have a general idea of what you and your partner think of Braithwaite's, and I know you don't think much of me as an investigator. Sorry, you trailed off there. I was hoping you'd deny it. Oh. Oh! No, Theo. How can you say that? All right. Don't lay it on that thick. Sorry. And it's not that, Theo. Really, it's not. Since the day you signed on at Braithwaite's, you've been a sprocket in a great big detecting machine. A place for everything and everything in its place. What's wrong with that? It's all right to be good at one or two things when there's a bustling office full of identical-looking bright young men, each of whom are good at one or two other things. The gentleman detective doesn't build complete models. They have a nasty habit of turning into competition. You're pretty sure of what goes on at Braithwaite's for someone who's never been past the lobby. I am, aren't I? Are you implying that I'm wrong? Not exactly. Not exactly. Excellent. When you work on your own, you've got to do a little bit of everything, Theo. Because if you can't do it, it ain't going to get done. And the kind of cases that you catch aren't the nice straight lines from A to B with the nice fat retainer. They're the cases Braithwaite's doesn't want. Or who may or may not be able to scrape together the $35 a day. 35 Plus expenses. 35 And that's because there's two of us. You'd probably want to start out at 29 tops. Oh, boy. Why the sudden yen for independence, Theo? Because I might not have much of a choice. Maybe you should start at the beginning. Hey, kids, look who's home. How'd it go? Does the beaming smile of self-satisfaction answer that question? Not as quickly as a straight answer would. What about the presence of an extra-large soup bone for Mighty King? All right, don't get excited. Here it is. And the princely sum of $118 left over. I thought the reward on Robertson was 54 It was. Times being hard, Robertson was sharing digs. Flopping in the back room of a carpet warehouse with Tyler Moss, also late for his appointment with the law, he was good for another 65 I rolled the two of them up in a carpet, threw them in the trunk, dropped them in Sabian's lap, blew a buck on the soup bone, and voila, we eat tonight. I'm thinking Chinese. Whatever you like, high pockets. That's what I like to hear. Then maybe a nice little drink to celebrate a job very well done. And a nice little boost for the savings account. The savings account fell off the shelf and smashed last week, remember? I'm using this old coffee can now. Nice. You know what the best part of this was? When they gave you the money. No client. No sob story, no lies, no dickering over the bill. Just an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. What say we close up early and make with the noodles? I'm famished. Whatever you say, Jack. Hold it. What's wrong? That's twice in two minutes you've deferred to me. First the Chinese, now this. I like Chinese. Yeah, and you're just crazy for closing the office up early. I suggest it twice a week, and you make with the sass mouth. It's our bit, it's what we do. But not today. You just handed me three days' worth of fees. 
It's 4.15 for Pete's sake. You're saying if I brought home the bacon a little more often, I could expect a little more slack? Maybe. Including the occasional use of the phrase, and I quote, Whatever you say, Jack? I overplayed it a bit there, didn't I? Yeah, just a touch. What do you want, Dixon? Look. Here we go. Jack, we can either have this argument here in our office where there is... As you know, no food of any kind excepting the half a baby Ruth in your desk drawer. There was a whole baby Ruth this morning. Shut up. Or we can fight in public down at Jimmy Wong's until you're so addled with egg roll that you do what I want like a good boy. If this seemed like a strange technique, then you don't know Jack half as well as you think you do. The civility made him suspicious, made him look for hidden agendas. The outright hostility, combined with skipping lunch and his love of all things deep-fried, lulled him quickly into hard-boiled putty and allowed me to attractively package my case with fried rice. Let me get this straight. Sure. You want us to clean up a mess that the bright young men of Braithwaite's couldn't so that your boyfriend, button-down Theo, can keep his job. He's not my boyfriend. I'll do it without one more question if you'll say, button-down Theo is my boyfriend. Button-down Theo is your boyfriend. Huh. Childish, but effective. My fault for not making myself more clear. Then you'll do it? You'd think that, wouldn't you? But no. Jack, Myrna Boyce is the sort of fine, upstanding client that wouldn't cross the train tracks to spit in our hair. Agreed. And for their snobbery, they should get the inept bungling they deserve. She's got some letters from long, long ago that have come home to roost. Letters that Mr. Boyce wouldn't much care to become general knowledge. Who would? Mr. Boyce is one of the richest men in town and one of Braithwaite's most important clients. Granted. Theo was up against a rock and a hard place. He had to take on the missus's case, lest she sour the mister on the gentleman detective and his crew. His masters were all for it, but it was Theo who signed off on it. And if the whole thing goes south on him, it's him they'll leave twisting in the wind. A shocking, yet somehow not at all surprising display of disloyalty. Again, you get what you pay for. Your noodles are getting cold. Leave my noodles out of this for a minute. Look... What I don't see exactly is how your boyfriend bungled this. Your boyfriend. Right, my boyfriend. I forgot. First of all, what are the letters? Forty years old? Something like that. And in the one that was sent with the first blackmail note, Myrna Boyce painted a vivid picture of certain regions of her youthful landscape a full five years before Mr. Boyce supposedly visited them for the first time. If you follow me. Not entirely. Jack. They're still letters, right. That was just kind of a mixed metaphor? Yes. Then we're back on track, thanks. The papers would love these, Jack. She's now a wealthy matron of a fine old family. She'd be humiliated. And she's not our client, so that's her tough luck. Jack. Trixie, Braithwaite's might try and crucify Theo for this mess, but an awful lot of bad ink will spill over onto them. How is that bad for business? How is another cheap gumshoe worker on our side of the street good for business? Who? Theo. He's thinking about going into business for himself. (laughs) How long do you think he'd last? At $29 a day, how long does he have to last? He'd undercut us? He'd kind of have to. And might I remind you that this chop suey banquet is to celebrate you doing a little bail bondsman work. Shut up. Maybe we can take on a few repo jobs on the side. So you're saying this is really all about motivated self-interest? Yes. Liar. You feel sorry for that boy. Yes, all right, I feel sorry for him. He wouldn't last five minutes on his own, which is four minutes longer than either one of us would last at Braithwaite's. How'd he drop the ball on this anyway? The smart money says grit your teeth and pay up. And that's what he did. Five thousand dollars for the return of the letters. Theo handled the payment. Then they changed the terms. Uh Uh-oh. Amateurs. Five thousand dollars per letter, they now say. And they claim to have a few dozen. 
Mrs. Boyce is furious. Says it's more than she can raise without her husband knowing. I should say. Theo paid up too quick. Yes, he did. You gotta make him sweat. Gotta make him think you just might bring in the law and take your lumps. I'm sure he'll remember that next time. So, who's the client? I thought you'd gone off clients. Yeah, but I haven't gone off this lavish lifestyle of Egg Fu Young. Who's the client? Theo, I guess. Theo is paying us $35 a day to do his job for him? Jack, I can't ask him No, to... but I can. And if we're bailing out Braithwaite's without so much as a buy your leave, somebody's paying us, kid, I promise you. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. Can I help you? Boy, I sure do hope so. Mr. Gray, isn't it? That's right. And you are... Trixie Dixon, True Heart Magazine. True Heart... May I come in? Thanks ever so much. I'm afraid I'm not familiar with your magazine, Miss Dixon. Oh, Trixie, please. And it's nothing to be shy about, Mr. Gray. Lots of men read True Heart nowadays. And you look like a closet romantic to me. Like a... Now, see here, Miss Dixon... Trixie, please. Are you looking for something in particular? Oh, just sussing out the lighting options for our photographer. Doesn't look like we have a lot of variety to choose from. Kind of a small place, if you don't mind me saying so. I moved here last year when I couldn't work anymore. My legs are bad. I'm terribly sorry to hear that. Hard times? Not particularly. I have a generous pension from the plant I managed. It just didn't make sense to keep a big house when I couldn't use more than two rooms. Not married? My wife passed on six years ago. See here, Miss Dixon... Trixie, please. Trixie, yes. If you could come to the point... You know, you're a hard man to find, Mr. Gray. First son of an immigrant family. Your father changed the family name to Smith back in the Great War. Apparently, the original sounded too Germanic. It was Dutch. Yes, well, potato, potato. Or so thought Papa Smith, yes? It made it difficult to get work. I should say. You later changed it back to an anglicized version of the original, which, forgive me, I still can't quite seem to pronounce. Miss Dixon. Trixie. And then the war broke out again, and you became Mr. Harold Gray. And so you have remained. Kind of an odd choice. It was my wife's maiden name. Well, that's a very modern arrangement, Mr. Gray. That'll make a very interesting sidebar for my readers. Readers? Though what they're really interested in is something that happened long, long ago, when you still had your original six-syllable name. I don't understand... You see, Mr. Gray, True Heart Magazine is dedicated to reuniting lost loves from long, long ago and telling their stories. I don't think... And you can well imagine how fascinated they'd be by the story of your lost love with Myrna Kern, as she was then. Myrna? Yes. Why, so many people have spoken to us about the two of you, how much in love you were... That is impossible. Why is that, Mr. Gray? You were very much in love, were you not? I don't know any Myrna Kern. But, Mr. Gray, we've seen the letters. Letters? Why, th- that's impossible. She would never show them to anyone. What's that? The letters you wrote to a Myrna Kern you never knew, or the letters she wrote to you? Please, you have to leave. It won't help, Mr. Gray. You can't put this cat back in the bag. You don't understand. Myrna and I were very young. We were foolish. We had no idea how the world worked or how serious the class distinctions between us were. It was finally made very clear to both of us on no uncertain terms. I didn't care. I was in love and had nothing to lose. Myrna had a great deal to lose. In the end, far too much. I can't believe that she would save my letters or show them to you. What makes you so sure? Miss Dixon... Trixie, 
If you have done the same kind of research on Myrna Kern that you did in order to find me, you will know that for the last 40 years she has been Myrna Boyce. That her family is very wealthy and very powerful. All the things she wanted, and Mr. Boyce is very much alive. She would desire no reunion. However you came by my letters to Myrna, I will not participate in something that would be so expressly against her wishes. You're awfully sure that it was your letters to her that we found and not the other way around. Impossible. Oh, I, I might have saved them, sentimental fool that I am. But they're long gone. They'd have been destroyed when I sold the house. You're sure they've been destroyed? Positive. My daughter helped me go through all of my old papers. She... I told her to burn them. Your daughter, huh? And her name is... You aren't from any magazine, are you? No, sir. And if you really want to respect Myrna's wishes, I'm going to be needing your daughter's address. Just a minute. Hello. Can I help you? Yeah. Jack Justice. True Heart Magazine. What? Nothing. Just a thought. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm afraid we don't want any. We're past that, sweetheart. Thanks. I'd love to come in. How dare you! Get out of here! No, thanks. I like it here. Nice place. You, you can't just barge into people's homes. Lots of space. Very domestic, if you don't mind my saying. Get out of here or I'll call the police. Go ahead. What? Here's the telephone. No. It does work, doesn't it? Yes, that seems to be in order. Operator? Yes, one moment, please. Here you go. Don't trust me? I'll put the receiver down and walk over there. That's a girl. Just pick up the blower and ask for the law. Operator? I'm a trespasser and you're a blackmailer. And then that's nothing if we don't start preferring charges against each other. A black... Never mind, operator. Thank you. Nice. Who are you? I told you. I'm Jack Justice. You're not from any magazine. Right first try. You're good, Miss Gray. It's Unger now. Mrs. Sally Unger. I should warn you that my husband will be home at any moment. I should warn you... And your husband, should he happen to be secreted in the dining room just now, that I am armed and haven't lived to this ripe old age by not shooting people who are asking for it. I beg your pardon, Sally. That wasn't intended as a threat to your person. But if the mister should intrude, he's your problem. Because he won't present much of one to me. What do you want? We don't have anything very valuable. Stop it. Don't play the breathless innocent. You haven't got the style for it, and I haven't got the patience. If you weren't a blackmailer, the cops would be on their way right now. But you went white as a sheet when you heard the word. I don't know anything about any blackmail. I said stop it! You think you're pretty clever, and you were up to a point. But the water's rising fast, and I don't have time for your kids' games. You're horrible! Trying to frighten me! Yeah, for your sake, Angel, I pray it's working. What kind of monster are you? The kind with a little tin shield that says Private Detective. The kind that doesn't mind putting the fear of God into nice suburban housewives when they turn out to be double-dealing blackmailers. You work for Mrs. Boyce? I work for Jack Justice. And that's where you caught a break, sweet pea. What do you mean? Ah, how she clings to hope. Aren't you going to offer me a drink? Of course. Can I get no you No thanks, not for me. But you go ahead, Angel. You look like you could use it. Thank you. I will. Nice. You were good, kitten. You were very good. But you got greedy, and it brought the jackals to your door, of which I am only the first. And if you're smart, the last. Tell me how... First, fill in some gaps for me. You found Myrna Kern's letters to your father in his papers when he sold his house. 
Yes. Did he tell you who she was, or did you figure that out yourself? And at what point did visions of sugar plums start dancing in your head? You think this is about money? $5,000 ain't charity, sister. $5,000 each, even less so. That was Carl. Carl is Mr. Unger? Sure. When I found those letters of Dad's, I was... Well, I was furious. My whole vision of him shattered. Why is that? Because he was a human being and had been since long before he knew your mother? He had kept those letters. Kept them the whole time he was with Mom. And after she died, they obviously meant something to him. Not so much that he didn't tell you to burn them. How do you know that? Told you to burn a lot of papers. Burn them sight unseen. But you had to open Pandora's box. Was that it, Angel? Were you grubbing for something to sell even then? I was looking for something of hers. My mother's. At first I thought the letters were from her. Then I looked at the dates. I felt so betrayed. So how do you go from point A, being daughter feels righteous indignation over something that's none of her business, to point B, being daughter goes up the river for blackmail? (laughs) Stop it! It'll get you no soap. Do you know the kind of misery and worry you've caused to someone you've never even met? And for no real reason other than spite and greed. Let me see if I can finish this story. Carl finds out what's troubling his lovely wife and recognizes how potentially scandalous the letters are. In spite of what appears to be a fine home and comfortable lifestyle, he crosses his fingers and tries to find out who Myrna Kern is now. Yes. And when he learns she spent the last 40 years as the wife of one of the richest men in town, his eyes got big as dinner plates. Sweetheart, he says, I know how you can get your revenge. Yes. And when Mrs. Boys and her spit and polish detective agency did the smart thing and decided to pay up, it was too easy for Carl, wasn't it? Yes. It wasn't enough. It was never enough. We'll bleed them dry. We need more. Yes. And that's what broke the fragile peace, Angel. It could have brought the law to your door. Or the wolf. But it just brought little old me. What are you going to do? You have the rest of the letters? Yes. Give them to me. Here. Here, take them. I'm sorry I ever laid eyes on them. It's not quite that simple, Angel. Oh, Mrs. Boys would pay handsomely for the return of these letters. But that wouldn't save a certain mostly empty head from the chopping block. Besides... That wouldn't make me any better than you. And I am. I could run you in, sacrifice that empty head, give the glory to a certain police lieutenant who I can always stand to have in my debt, and hope for a reward from the capture of a spineless blackmailer. You wouldn't. If you'd like to call headquarters and give them the number of this little tin shield, I'm sure they'll tell you they paid out $119 in bounties just yesterday. Oh. See, I like to do what's right. But I do have to get paid. Especially when I don't like any of the principal characters. Myrna Boyce was prepared to pay out five grand for these letters. It was a fair shake as far as she was concerned, and a better one than you deserved. If she gets these letters back, it still makes you and Carl scum. But I've worked for scum as often as not. You mean... I mean you're my client now, Angel. I'm going to have to charge you for two days. That's 70, I'm afraid. And various and sundry expenses... Better make it 85. I'm afraid I haven't any receipts. You're just going to have to trust me. Yes. Yes. Of course. And Kitten, tell Carl if he ever tries something like this again, I'm going to have to shoot him on general principles. And that was how it went. The 70 went into the coffee can. The 15 went into Jack's pocket with something between a grin and a sneer. The letters he gave to me, 
I gave them to Theo and he gave them to Mrs. Boyce. Theo went from imminently unemployed to golden-haired boy to stroke. I wondered how many forms he had to fill out to keep what actually happened a secret, or if he had to invent a story. I wonder what kind of fiction came out of an abacus. I made a mental note never to find out. And for a little while, at least, we had an up-and-comer on the inside of Braithwaite's that owed me a very big favor. Even if we had very different ideas about how that should be repaid. Very different ideas indeed. Blackjack Justice, Episode 21, Trixie's Pet, was written and directed by Greg Taylor, and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Kevin Robinson, Scott Moyle, and Clarissa Dunetterlanden. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Apparently, you enjoy listening to audio dramas, since you're hearing this message. I'll keep it short so you can get back to the fun stuff. If you would like to see and experience how all these stories, voices, sound effects, and music come together to create theater of the mind, make plans to visit the Modern Audio Drama Convention in Halifax, Nova Scotia, July 24th through 26, 2020. Meet the creators. Find out how to write, record, mix, sweeten, and produce movies that play in your head. See what the voices you hear actually look like. We never look like we sound. For all the details, visit madcon.com. That's M-A-D, as in modern audio drama, then dash, as in dash on over, then con, as in convention, duh, then dot, as in it'll be the most fun you've had in a while, period, then com, as in come on over, we'll love to see you. Madcon, your ears and brain will thank you.